Welcome back to Bike Race Weekly. I am your host, Ryan Gerard, and I am here with my co-host, Rick Greenwald. So what's going on, everyone? It has been a little bit, not as long as it was before, but mm. we are back at it. I feel like at every at every point in the season, you know, we've been doing this, uh, you know, going on like two years now. Um, I feel like we always have a uh, a little break that we take. Oh, it's past two years. We're like two and a half. Are we? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Okay. We've been doing this it's for a little a bit then. Yeah. Well, 65 I, episodes. Wow. Keep it going. And we finally just upgraded our audio. We got two mics. Which you might be able to tell here. Two mics. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, we take a little break at the end of every year. I feel like it often falls at different points in the year, depending on what's going on. But I'm going to say this is the start of season three. Season three of uh, Bike Race Weekly. Um, a lot has changed, you know? Yeah. You know, I think this year was just kind of tough. It's a weird year. With how little has gone on yeah um how kind of confusing it has been especially for like training and like what to look forward to what yeah. to do it is a podcast called bike race weekly it was a little hard to talk about you know the non-bike racing i guess yeah it's hard to talk about stuff that's just not going on i mean like we could have talked you know I don't know, pro crit racing, if there was only pro crit racing. We could have even talked world tour racing if there was world tour racing. But have you seen but pro Zwift like, crit racing? Yeah, I mean, it, as exciting as that is, what, <laughs> I mean, that's something to talk about. I mean, Project yeah, Echelon is. is having their, I thought it was going to be open to like a wider range, but it is just going to be um, the pros racing. Their whole, I think they're doing like eight ra- different races, one for each like big bike tour is this like through the winter or is this 2021 yeah, through the the winter but it oh, starts okay. like soon i think in september is the first one but interesting which i thought was a cool idea i guess the more i think about it i mean good for them good for them i think yeah, it's a great I, I like idea it. yeah it's hard though to get excited about because i think the the biggest attraction with something like that is including people that haven't been able to do anything and now it's great that they're including pros but i i don't think there's the attraction to watch zift race zwift racing mm-hmm. um if you, they so kind you, of did like you know the pro race and then like intermediate races so like it was like smaller races or something i think that would have been just a grand slam for them like even if they were like it cost five dollars for every race, mm. I think that would have been a grand slam. But I think they're gonna miss the you know cat twos and to cat fives who aren't on those pro teams. Sure, I yeah. think it's gonna be really hard for them to find to get engagement when I there's see. there's not much reason to watch. You know, if if you were involved. I think I think it would give a lot of reason to like watch it. And are you sure it's pro only? There's no other it's pro categories. Only. Yeah, I, I don't know. Zwift is just like it's weird in and of itself. Because if you were going to say, yeah, we're gonna have a you know a crit or a big race, but we're only gonna do pros. You know, I mean, we've been doing enough races where we know that like a lot of the people that stick around and watch were people that were more interested in racing their own race earlier in the day. And, you know, then they want to stick around. I don't know if that's the same case on Zwift. I'd imagine that in some part it is like, you know, if they did the typical, you know, well, the first, let's say in Zwift land, you know, we're going with the D's first, then the C's, then the B's, and then, you know, kick it off the pros. 
you know, I'd have to imagine that people are more likely to stick around and, and watch some more Zwift racing, get more engaged in it, especially if, I mean, amateurs love to be able to follow series, right? And especially if they can like participate in the series. I think that'd be pretty cool. But, you know, I, I don't want to be one to throw stones because I, I don't know the kind of work that goes into that. Like, you know, do they have to like do special stuff with Zwift? Do they only have a certain amount of server time? You know, it's hard to say. I think you, you can create like your own races and stuff. Can you? I think so. This is two Zwift non-experts yeah. talking about Zwift. I have spent probably less than a few, like a few days on Zwift. They have a lot of races on Zwift, so I can't see them ever being able to charge for like an amateur race because you can just do a free non non whatever this is series race if that makes sense i don't think they have series racing though and that's i think where mm. especially right now i think you could really jump into like the series like racing where it's like oh i can pay five dollars and i can track my results the only thing about that is like i mean people lie on swift i of course someone that we knew recently posted a a race that they did on Zwift. Yeah. I don't think he was even doing A's. I think he was doing like B's. And a guy posted a 5.5 watt per kg. Oh my God. And his thing was just like, where are these all, where are all these non pros coming from with the 5.5 watt per kgs? That's insane. Um, it's and it actually, was like for like half an hour. It's interesting that you, well, first of all, I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous because I think the, the, guidelines on zwift are if you do if you can do a four watt per kg for like 20 minutes like or something you know whatever if that's your threshold like you should not be in a b race you should be in an a race like anything over 4.4 watts per kilogram you're in an a race and if you can bang out 5.5 you're obviously you obviously know that you should be in an a race which is pretty unbelievable which it's crazy because then if you're going to do a a race i mean we're talking they're probably all banging out six point in six point fives. I, I watched yeah, I a know. dude. I don't know. I did watch a guy because I think GCN like hosted something. Yeah. And I watched a dude on Zwift bust out a thousand watts for a minute. Oh my gosh! Like that they were like you know because it was GCN's race. Yeah. And for a straight minute, that a thousand seems, watts for a straight minute. It's just like okay, yeah. Like you think, like who are these people, and why do they get like a fix from you know lying on a recreational race? It's kind of the same thing when you're playing video games, and it's just like why are these people yeah. using like cheating on video games? Like, but I mean they're it's out there and they're prevalent. more prominent than you think. Absolutely, <clears throat> they're. I actually read an article. They they've been discussing theirs and like the. The developer and you know the company of Zwift has been discussing like how do we monitor cheating and prevent cheating. And the easiest way, the easiest kind of cheating is like miscategorizing yourself, right? If you can do five watts per kilogram, you shouldn't be in the C race. You should be in the A race. And they've actually talked about putting hard barriers on those those races. So if you're pushing over five watts per kilogram for like a sustained amount of time, they're literally considering weighting you, like basically putting the brakes on your bike and being like yeah you know or, or be... i've heard i've heard like ghosting the rider too so like if you start putting out like a, like five watts per kilogram they'll just yeet you out of that race and like you'll still be racing and like you'll still see everybody else there but they can't see you like mm -hmm. you're you're just gone you know what i mean so I, I think they're trying to do some stuff to at least control the categorization they'll never i don't think they'll ever be able to register weight doping which is probably the most um prevalent kind so Ryan, we actually we've been kind of talking about doing a little bit of Zwift racing this year yeah. as well. 
That's why I got into this topic. Potentially. You know, we were talking about the project echelon. Yeah. With racing, but yeah. We but segueing. Because we're segue experts. Um, we, I mean, we, we haven't done a bike race in over a year. I yeah. mean, that's weird to think like, right? Because we've been doing a lot of bike racing over the last couple of years. Um, you longer than I have even. So this is literally the first year and probably you know, for me, for me about four years. And yeah, for you, five years maybe even six because you started a little earlier, maybe right? Six. That we haven't done a single bike race and we're rolling into winter. I don't know what the fat biking situation is, but I don't want to buy a fat bike. So we're, I, we're talking about doing some Zwift racing. Yeah, and I'm not into fat biking. No. I'd cross-country ski and I still have a rough time doing that. Yeah. We I don't, feel like it's always like such an effort to go cross-country skiing when in reality it's probably not. I mean, it's like a 30-minute drive and then a 30-minute drive home for where we are, but... I don't know. I mean, Zwift racing is convenient. And I think this winter, we're just kind of looking to uh, stay fit, have some fun. And I would I would 100% pick a Zwift race over an interval day 10 out of 10 times. Okay, we're back. Uh, audio issues yeah. seem to be fixed. Quick, Sorry quick about technical that, issue. Yeah, but we are back. Uh, discussing how we we're going to try some, some Zwift racing. I was just saying how, you know, 10 out of 10 times, I'd probably rather do some kind of race than an actual interval workout. So I think that'll be a pretty fun way to kind of mix it up this winter. Yeah, you know, I've, um, I've never actually done a Zwift race before. Mm. I have tried Zwift, like, temporarily. I've, I've like... It seems like once a year I'll mm-hmm. buy a month of it, yeah, and try it out. Being like, well, a lot mm. of people do this. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's something to it. Yeah. And then I try, I do it, and then I just kind of think like, well, I'm not like, I'm still like trying to train, and I'm only doing it for like an hour or so. So it, I just always kind of loop back to I would be better served riding for an hour doing structured stuff, and then I kind of think like if I'm gonna ride like three hours i'd rather do that outside some people are built different ryan i guess i've just never for me personally and i always come back to me personally i've just never seen zwift as something that benefits me yeah no i get it i mean i i like i like the racing aspect of it like i think that's cool i don't think i enjoyed like just just like plugging around on it at all but it was i mean the racing part of it was definitely fun have you so tell me about the racing quick uh just like just a quick summary of it yeah um is it really as hard as i think it is i just think it's i'm gonna be thrown into d's and people are doing five watts (laughs) per kilogram for like half hour so there there's definitely a point where i think early because i've had zwift or i've done zwift intermittently there there has been winners actually where i've done a lot of stuff on zwift i do my own workouts but like i would i would ride a lot of zwift and I think there was a time where you could do an A race and be within like a four to four and a half watt kg range and be fine. Like people will seem to like the cheating on Zwift seems to be kind of new. And I think maybe that's because more people are getting into Zwift now and more people are that's like their only thing. So they're like, of course, I'm going to wait dope on Zwift. Um, but yeah, I mean. So like starting out, you definitely, I mean, I think for anybody, if you kind of know where you fall, like if you're a, a competent cyclist, you could probably start in C and just see how that goes. But I think most yeah. people that are good cyclists can do Bs. And then if you're really strong, you might as well do As. But the 
the thing with Zwift is that the drafting doesn't feel like anything remotely close to outdoor riding. It's just like if you're at the front, you're going extremely hard. And then if you're behind the, the first couple people drafting, you're just going like pretty hard or very hard. That's another thing is like it just <laughs> seems like it's a half hour like TT. It's kind of yeah. It's like a strategic TT really like the drafting the drafting mechanics don't feel like yeah it's its own kind of racing and i think when i first tried it i was like this sucks because i'm so used to like outdoor bike racing and what that actually feels like and what that entails maybe that's the issue maybe i'm thinking about it as outdoor bike racing when mm-hmm. it's just not really comparable no it's, it's, not at all it's right. like trying to compare kurt racing and a hundred mile road race like yeah. you just can't compare the two it's very different yeah um lionel sanders has talked about how so he won a professional zwift race beating people like matthew vanderpool and i think greg van avermatt did he really he did he took first place wow um did not know that so he did one of his vlogs about it and he said like they came into this just thinking okay i'm just gonna you know do a big burst and then i'll ride off the front at 450 watts for an hour and call it a day well, the thing is, is Lionel Sanders spends a lot of time on Zwift and he's done a lot of Zwift racing. Yeah. And he explained how it's it's not road racing. He it's would, not, no. he, you know, he's the first one to tell you if we if this was an actual road race, he'd be shot out the back in the first 10 miles. Right. But he's so good up at Zwift racing, you know, watching. You can watch your competition and see how much how many watts they're doing yeah. and then on top of that there's power-ups which i don't really understand like, but since uh, there's power-ups it's literally like mario kart like yeah here's a draft you're boosting your draft you're lighter like you know what i mean yeah so what he does is he actually watches the other riders so you don't actually have to be watching the screen no you watch the, the rider list and look at whose watts are shooting up from you know if they're riding in the bunch three yeah. watts or four watts maybe and all of a sudden it's at seven watts yeah, so they're he, attacking. Yeah. yeah, so he watches that and he's able to like essentially predict yeah. what's about to happen. Much like in real road racing, typically what happens at some point in the race is something called the the elastic snaps or the mm-hmm. rubber band snaps, where it doesn't matter if it's like a flat stage or or a, a big mountain stage. At some point, a, a group generally or usually gets off the front, and in Zwift racing, it just doesn't really ever happen. Like breakaways. If you're in a breakaway, it just means that you're stronger than everybody mm-hmm. else. It doesn't really necessarily mean because like Matthew Vanderpool, Greg Van Avermaet, th- they're really strong guys, but their prowess is bike racing. They understand yeah. how to bike race, so they're both strong, good bike handlers, and they know like when to attack, when to time attacks. You know, in Zwift, it, you just don't need to know that tactical knowledge. Like to your point, like Lionel Sanders, he just knows how to Zwift race. Like he just he, knows how to Zwift race. He doesn't have to know how to like counterattack or like mm-hmm. hold a wheel or ride a crosswind. Like no such thing, man. It's just its own beast. And also too, I think uh, triathlon really goes to Zwift racing oh, well. Yeah. It's because, all about sustained power. Yeah. You're never you're never freewheeling or he has. Ever. I mean, he has a ridiculous FTP. I think I'm pretty oh, sure yeah. it's between 400 and 425. He holds something like 300. 20 watts for an entire Ironman race. Yeah, it's huge. And it's massive. So he's really good at sustaining a high amount yeah. of his threshold, which is essentially what Zwift yeah. is. You know, it's just sustaining a high amounts of your threshold. Right. Yeah, Zwift racing, it's um the name even on you know, like they do have rates races that they call crits. They do have races that they call, you know, um like rolling road races, but 
it's all just sustained power, even a crit, because mm-hmm. you're not actually cornering, if that makes sense. It's just like a shorter road race, really. Um, it's all just sustained power, and it's kind of like whoever can meet the surges, because people will surge in the group, and you just have to make sure that you don't get essentially separate. If you get separated off the group, then you really feel it. Then it's like, oh, you got to do an effort to get back up to that group. But if you're just hanging on the back, and as long as you're closing gaps and like moving with the main pack and not letting anybody kind of get too far off the front, like you're totally fine. Like you just got to hold high watts. So yeah, I mean, and that was kind of something that I think a lot of people have talked about with with Zwift racing becoming more of a professional thing is that you're not seeing the same kind of riders dominate Zwift racing. You're seeing a lot of people that just have huge engines and have zero technical abilities, or you kind of figure out who the bad bike races are, but who has a really good aerobic engine because, you know, they're doing well in Zwift racing. You're never going to see them in the front of a crit or, you know, like making it to the final climb in a road race because they just don't have the technical ability to get into those positions. Sure. All right, let's let's move on. Let's We've move on. Uh, talked about Zwift racing for quite a bit. Yeah, it's here. enough. We'll keep you all updated on how yeah. that goes, and, and we'll see. Maybe, I'm very excited about yeah, it, though. Yeah, I, I think we'll, be, we'll have fun. It'll be good. Like like I said, you got to just change your mindset, but it's a good time. Yeah. So we have a, a bike packing trip this yeah. weekend planned. Speaking of not bike racing. Yeah, we're speaking of not bike racing. We have to a, not bike race, and we're doing a bike packing trip. I'm actually kind of excited because I've not done like a three, I would I call like one medium day, one somewhat longer day, and one very long day. Yes. Kind of like a, you know, almost like a stage race kind of thing, but I've never done something along these lines before. Yeah, so we're doing uh, what you classify as like credit card touring is kind credit of what card, it's called. Like glamp bike packing. Glamp, glamp packing. So what we're doing is we're carrying some lighter bags on our bikes, um, and then we're- Really light bags. Really light bags. Like I have a handlebar bag and a saddle bag. Yeah. You've got a large saddle I have bag. a large saddle bag. It's five liters, and then yeah. a handlebar bag that's, I think, like two and a half liters. Yeah, and then what we're doing is we're staying we're just staying at hotels um we have four people so we're just you know i think the first night we're leaving after work gonna stay at a hotel about 40 40 miles miles away and then the next day we're doing we're doing 62 platteville you know if we feel like we want to ride some more we might just do some more riding in Mm platteville we'll see you know like if we get there at like you know um uh two in the afternoon and it's like well we might as well, let's go do a 20 mile ride so maybe we'll do that we'll see we'll just kind of feel it out yeah or just hang out and then the last day we're gonna do a longer day which is like all the way back all on bike trails which is pretty nice i'm pretty excited for that but that should be about 100 miles so yeah that'll be a big day but yeah everything that we're carrying on our bike it's like i've got a pair of flip-flops a pair a sh- a yeah pair of i bought shorts, a pair of flip-flops a- which is hard to find yeah, yeah. Kaylee actually went to Walmart to get some for me. Only cost fifty cents. I don't you, know how. I couldn't find them at Walmart. I think I got the last pair. Oh, yeah, because I ended up spending ten dollars. Oh, where'd you get them, Old Navy? Target. Yeah, those are the cheapest ones we could Targets find. Targets are good ones. Yeah, mine was literally, um, yeah, fifty cents. Like, the thing was, is like we had to find some that I could fold in half. Mm, yeah. In order to fit into the bag I was bringing. Yeah. So. That was like the ones that we found, and we couldn't find them any cheaper. Mm-hmm. Like we were looking for those just really basic styrofoam ones that cost like a dollar. Yeah, the ones couldn't find them anywhere. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. They're out of stock. Yeah, I don't know what. Yeah. You'll, you'll be fine with the ones that you had. You just had to spend a little bit more money. I mean, of course. Yeah, I hope I'm going to be fine for $10 <laughs> flip-flops. I mean, come yeah, on. The, you, man, this is this guy's over here really Gucci. Or, uh, yeah, thing. real Gucci flip-flops. That's, yeah, right. What you psycho to, pays $10 for flip-flops, yeah, man? the guy I'm sitting across the table from. That's who. Um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I predict that if we have a good time on this trip and we have fun, we might plan a couple more of these in the future. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I'm optimistic. I think we'll have a good time. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I don't know how day three will feel when we hit like 60 miles. I think you you don't know how to ride like at a like a comfortable pace. No, that's that's, that's the, like thing the thing that's gonna get me. Yeah, is like I, I mean, I've done we a, were I've done like multiple like hundred mile rides where. You just like ride. You just keep it chill the entire sure. time, and when you stop, you feel fine. Like you're probably. You know, a little... I will say, uh, about a week ago, we went for a ride together, of which we were gonna do a very chill race until I looked at our watch, uh, my watch, and you were doing twenty miles per hour going up a hill. At that point, I realized, oh, this is not a chill ride. What? This is a Rick ride. It was, <laughs> there's no such thing. Rick rides are chill rides. I don't think that was that wasn't too bad of a ride. I was I was a little sore after. Yeah, I it was mean, a little rough. So it's it's rougher on the cross bike because like yeah. you realize when yeah you were on a cross bike. I feel like I'm a parachute. Yeah, um, it's a little bit better now because I I yesterday um, my workout didn't go very well. I started getting mm-hmm. like a, um like pain in my Anna thinks it was my sciatic nerve. Oh yeah. Um, so it was just like every single pedal stroke was like a shoot. Stre- I gotta get stretched for you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We'll discuss after the okay. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Every single pedal stroke just felt like a like a uh, like a burn oh, or like a uh, like a pain that just shot down the left side of my leg. Sounds like sciatic. It was so painful. Yeah. So we'll get I get that taken care of. I, yeah. I quit about halfway through the ride. Yeah, I'll give you a nice massage. Oh yeah. Rub down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I took the time after that to set up my cross bike how I wanted to have it set up this weekend. Yeah, um, it's Nate, a little bit more. Nate, a, Nathan is for sure gonna make fun of your positive rise stem. Oh, I it's not of, supposed to be like that. Well, it is. It's, <laughs> it's so what I, that's it's what you it's a uh, it's what happens when you get an aftermarket stem. Yeah, and you know when you the the negative side you know how it's supposed to like when you put it negative it's essentially flat right it should be flat it wouldn't fit oh it only so that that side the top of like where you put it on is thinner than the other side yeah so it's like thinner on one side and wider at the other so i could only fit it on with it at at a positive stem the other way wouldn't fit on and it was still hard to put it on the way i have it but i needed i needed a longer stem for that bike i found that for like 30 bucks and one side of it doesn't fit so i'm like well i guess i it's gonna i'm gonna ride it like this man you gotta leave a bad review on that amazon listing (sighs) yeah i don't think they care too much probably not no not at all i think Um, it looks pretty like i've been looking at it and i don't think it looks bad i i'm not gonna make fun of you i'm just saying some people might make fun yeah well you know nathan's kind of a fred so i'm gonna make fun (laughs) of nathan's not oh he doesn't wear socks that are very high that's that's one fred thing that he definitely does Mm -hmm. yeah other than that yeah he's he, he looks pretty pro pretty regularly i'm oh uh speaking of the bike 
Uh-huh. Let me just throw this around what bike I'm riding. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm no, riding my right. Trek Crockett. Wait, wait. Let's go through everybody's bike. Let's go through <laughs> everyone's bike. I'll right, start with mine, which with is appropriate. Yeah. Um, I'm the only one bringing an appropriate bike this weekend. I agree with that. Uh, I am bringing a Trek Crockett, uh, which, which is I, a cyclocross bike. Yep. With how, how wide it tires? I have 32 millimeter, like, rough weather tires yeah that's good slicks i have slicks i don't have the cross tires on there sure but that's a good mix between road and most of this will be on some kind of bike trail but it's like mixed terrain but it's it's not gonna call it a gravel ride it's not really gravel it's more of like a hard crushed limestone. dirt yeah crushed limestone it's crushed limestone yeah. so it's pretty so, it's 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 like a road essentially so, just a yeah, dirt road so 80 percent of our trip is going to be on um some kind of mixed terrain bike path I know I know the first half of the terrain and it's kind of like a yeah like a very hard pack loamy dirt you can ride a road bike on it do not know anything about the second half trails that we're going to be taking on the 100 mile day like I said I talked to somebody today they said that it's kind of rough and I think it'll be fine had a cross bike I, I I hope I'll be fine it's also been um pretty dry and stuff so i think that helps i mean we got like a tiny bit of rain today but i think we'll be all right anyway so that's what you're rolling with and I oh would agree. and then one one thing is yeah, that yeah. i took off my road pedals and put my road pedals on here because i just got a new pair of shoes that are very comfortable yeah, hot take there's no need to wear mountain bike shoes on a cyclocross or gravel at this, bike at the same time there's or, no sorry, just gravel yeah, bike, yeah. I, I was gonna say there's no need to also, if I mean, if you're if you feel more comfortable in mountain bike shoes, wear mountain bike shoes. It's just sure. I feel more no comfortable in road bike shoes, and the the shoes that I have, I just got them, and they're pretty nice, and mm. they're really comfortable. So, yeah. for a long trip like this, I'd much prefer using my road shoes. Yeah, it'll be comfy. All right, so that's your bike. I would agree. That's the appropriate bike of the trip. The cross bike that's built out or modified <clears throat> to handle all road conditions yeah <clears throat> okay i'm gonna be riding a uh specialized allay crit bike with <laughs> 25 millimeter tires i will say it's in a comfy position for me so sure. like fitting wise i'm not worried about that and my bags fit on it um if i'm anyways curious i had to go with soft strap bags nothing is bolted to the frame uh, so that's my bike, a little bit different than Ryan's. Uh, I think the only issue that's going to be with your bike is the vibration. That'll be the only thing you'll have to worry I'm, about. As long as it's rideable and it, it's like gravel, that's not going to break my bike. I'll pro- I'll be fine. Like okay. I'm not worried about it. We'll mm-hmm. see. Maybe I will be. Uh, okay, so that's my bike. Our friend Nathan is bringing a Trek 1120, which is a heavy duty touring mountain bike. Um, why he's bringing that bike, we don't really know. He has a road bike. Uh, he's convinced that he'll be... I think the road bike, like I have a road bike, is kind of like an asterisk. I think he has like a 15-year-old road bike. It's, like, it's I older. mean, but it's nice. It's really, oh, is it? Yeah, is it's it? a Madone. It's like oh. a 20... Oh. It's like a 20... 2012 or, or 13 Madone. Like okay, it's got Durace on it. I mean, it's a good oh, bike. Okay. It's Never older, mind. but I'm wrong. Well, yeah. it's fine. I mean, but yeah, so that's that. I mean, he even has a cross country mountain bike. I'm not sure why he wants, he wants to bring this touring mountain bike. I think his touring mountain bike already has everything on it. It also doesn't get a lot of use. So I think he's yeah. like, yeah, I might as well bring this. So again, maybe not the best tool for the job, but I might be wrong. And then we have our buddy, Adam, who is bringing a, a backpack? A backpack. So he's yeah. Oh, okay. So the touring mountain bike has touring packs. So like Nathan's got the best setup there. Adam is bringing a Trek Amanda, an old Trek Amanda, an older Trek Amanda or Madonna or Amanda. Amanda, 
Trekamanda, and he's not putting any bags on it. He's wearing a backpack, which will not be comfortable. I think that's a 2014 or 15. Yeah. Manda. So like Adam and I are kind of in the same category. You know, the thing is too is that that dude has like four really nice bikes. He has, and he's it's it's all that bike. So he has um he has a Demone, which is the no 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 he doesn't. Oh he does. He has an Amanda, a Madone. And a lay, yeah, and then like an old school bike. I don't know why uh, the Madone he... is a brand new John Degenkolb edition yeah. smoking aces. Oh, it's nice. Well, um, he Madone. shouldn't. He shouldn't bring that bike. I told him he should have. I mean, I would tell him he should too, but um, he won't. He won't. Then he has his LA, yeah, and then he has his old ratty Amanda. I don't know why Adam doesn't bring. I don't know. Or I don't know why he doesn't like. Like he just has a bunch of road bikes. Like I don't know why he doesn't get like a different kind of bike. I will say he just got the Amanda like tuned up and like everything on it's brand new no he's now. got three super nice road bikes he's got three really nice road bikes yeah i don't know only one he ever rides is his amanda he's not allowed to ride the la yeah he's not allowed for various reasons <laughs> family history family history family history um so yeah that's our that's our setup for if anybody like on paper was to see like what we're doing they'd be like these guys are effed like they don't know what they're doing like they've yeah. got well i mean three like very different with, kinds of bikes we're, we're credit card backpack we're credit bike card packing. bike packing yeah. that's like that's like we are the we're poster glamping. boys for credit card bike packing we are we are the rei poster in front of the yeah co-op section of people that mm-hmm. don't know what they're doing but they come in and they buy a bunch of stuff that's us we didn't buy a bunch of stuff from rei but I we don't didn't. know but we don't know what well, you did uh we don't <laughs> that's we, exactly <laughs> where i bought my bag <laughs> never mind we don't know what we're doing <laughs> so uh, it'll be a lot of fun i hope we like it i hope this is like a good like catalyst for like oh let's do like another bike packing trip and, i'm looking forward to like biking all day yeah. eating a bunch of food and just like taking it nice drinking and chill. beers at night yeah taking it nice and know? chill too like that's like we're obviously we have somebody with a touring mountain bike so we can't go that fast but like there's no point in like riding super fast or even like above like 18 miles an hour like because we're gonna get there with plenty of time so what are we gonna do just like sit around so yeah i mean unless you want to drill it but i don't know why we would want to do that there's no point to drilling it um, maybe on like the not even the last day we shouldn't do it on the last day i know on the last I day know, the only reason would be is if like we're trying to get home i know we're gonna get to mile 50 on the last day and you're gonna be like i just want to go be home and you're gonna start trying to go fast and then you're gonna hate yourself at mile like 80. you know what's really funny is me and anna on our podcast just talked about this exact thing what you're gonna do i know that's what you're i know <laughs> i know what you're gonna do you're gonna you're gonna be like hey you maybe we could pick up the pace a little bit <clears throat> and i'm gonna be like no ryan like let's keep it chill like we got all I'm day gonna be to in ride. my head i'm gonna got be all like, day to ride if i ride at the front at 20 miles per hour yeah we'll get home in two and a half you're hours gonna and be i'm just like so sorry we have a slight tailwind and i'm just gonna test it i'll be like how can i do 20 i was like oh this feels good like i'm cool rolling in the last 10 miles feeling like ass but mm-hmm. i do not want to be rolling in mile 80 like with my tongue hanging in my out my mouth like like this sucks and i know you're not going to want to do that either like you're gonna say it's it, weird because what me and Anna were talking about is the more I get into the suck zone, the more I just throw my head down and I'm just like, well, like we did, I guess we're doing this. We did a long ride last year and um, we averaged like 30 back. We well, Oh, yeah. Well, we averaged like 20 on the bike trail there because we were sheltered like out of the wind. So we, we did like a good like effort up to like the point we were going. Mm-hmm. 
and we turned around and we were going literally like 30 miles it back was like home. a 25 mile per hour it tailwind in, it was a massive tailwind in <clears throat> just threw me. it into the biggest gear we had and insane just flew. well yeah and it was like literally the worst 10 miles ever we were fried we were super <laughs> sunburned this was in like april so that was the worst part though was that we were so sunburned yeah, i think that's why well, I it was supposed to be cloudy the sunburn's bad and you were you wanted to go fast like the last 10 miles you were just like i'm going to just like no that was different because we got onto the busy county road and so i wanted to get through that section fair enough that's a fine reason but i felt horrible when i got home i, I felt pretty bad too slammed water and i wasn't even you yeah. know you're in a bad place when you get home from a ride like that like a long ride and you're not hungry you're just like i need to drink water that's another thing is i really want to stay on top of the nutrition oh for sure there's i think tomorrow especially i'm going to probably over i'm going to bring two 24 ounce water bottles good idea uh and i'm i'm gonna try to get ahead of eating food and, and water yeah early like tomorrow yeah so that by sunday i'm not like totally fried For at sure. the start of the day yeah you, i mean that's like the biggest thing like we don't want to be we don't want to be like starting sunday and feeling like like oh i didn't eat anything saturday i didn't eat anything friday like i'm hungry mm -hmm. do you we shouldn't be hungry this entire trip that's yeah. like the goal because there's, no, there's no reason should... to like we'll have food with us we'll stop every 20 miles like you yeah and stop it every 20 miles it's it might seem like why are we stopping again but it's like my plan was every time we stopped like pound so buy three gatorades pound the first one at the gas station two in the bottles and then yeah and then throw two in the bottles and drink the bottles until for the next 20 miles yeah no that's not a bad idea at all and then just buy food and snacks and stuff same like thing that. Yeah, yeah same thing i'm gonna pound some kind of food and then bring like two cliff bars with me that i'll eat yeah once every 10 miles yeah i think it's gonna be a great trip i'm looking forward to it yeah before we end this podcast we need to talk a little bit about the tour the tour the tour happened it happened yeah, so let's cover. It actually three. happened. Yeah, we'll cover three things here just to keep it on on track. On track. Okay. Um, overall tour thoughts, yeah. sprinters, and then GC riders. Okay. So overall thoughts uh, out of five, how many baguettes do you give the tour? Um, I mean, people are saying this could be the best tour there ever was. I'll it, give it a five I, out of five. I have heard that it's reminiscent of the nineteen eighty nine. Nineteen eighty nine. Le Mans, Fignon last stage time trial mm -hmm. that's what everybody keeps comparing it to it's crazy because it's that but it's another minute he gained another minute oh, on him. i mean the finyan lamont gap was eight seconds this was he it, it's unreal and you know like i understand that cycling has kind of a dark past i get that but something like that happens which is like truly like a remarkable feat in sport and like an awesome story and a great tour like i I agree. It was a super great tour, but it's like you, and then everybody just like looks down and it like, Oh, was that possible? What, you know, how could that be? Like he didn't, he, I don't care. I don't care I don't either. Really care. I don't care either, but I just think it's so dumb. It's like, what a great tour. Why would you just like cycling journalists feel like mm -hmm. they have to write about everything that's like smells like doping. It's just ridiculous. So for those of you who don't know the, Oh Lord yeah. Vignon, uh, Greg Lamont thing, the last day of the, the tour, it was a time trial, uh, 
Lauren Finian is it Lauren? Lauren 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 yeah. Finian had fifty seconds on Greg LeMond. Mm-hmm. Nobody he looked super strong the entire time. Nobody yeah. thought Greg LeMond could do it. He took the time out. He took yeah. fifty seconds and then another eight seconds yes. to win the tour on the last day. On the last day. This is a complete recreation of that same thing. It was the second to last day, but technically the last day since the last day yeah. is the The last day is ceremonial. It the last day really is ceremonial. Matter. Yeah. So it was an uphill time trial, but I think the biggest thing here is that it was an hour long time trial and at no point has uh pojakar been able to or pogacha sorry has no point in pogacha been able to take legit time on any stage out of um the the second place or the eventual second place um besides like a time bonus roglic roglic yeah it's not like it's like roglic like roglic took 40 seconds out of pojakar over the course of the tour Pojakar had a couple, you know, glimpses of really good riding, but he never was able to really pull away from Pojakar. He could so, show that he could climb. I think that oh, was the biggest 100%. thing. It was on a he pure climbing really climb stage, well. yeah. he could show it. But but for it was a ama- like an incredible to see Pojakar take that much time on Roglic. Yeah. And Roglic didn't have a bad day. I wouldn't That's say he had thing. a great day, but people like, are saying that like Roglic just had like a bad day. He was off. He wasn't. No, he wasn't. He was probably being paced. He so he had the benefit. And Pojakar won the stage. Yeah, Pojakar yeah, won, won the, the stage, stage on the last day and won by two minutes on Roglic. So yeah. he had a roughly, a, I think it was like a fifty or fifty-six second time gap on yeah. Roglic. Took that back and then added another minute to him. Yeah. So Tom Dumoulin, which is who who is a Giro winner. Took second place in the tour and a world time trial champion. Yeah. Set a time uh, a few riders before both of them. Mm-hmm. And I bet Roglic was pacing off of his time. So they were probably just telling him, okay, you're this far off of Dumoulin. If you just get close to Dumoulin's time, you're fine. You're maybe. golden. Yeah, maybe. He was 30 seconds off of Tom Dumoulin, yeah. who is by far a better time trialist. And you could argue just about as good as a climber, good yeah. of a climber. So it's expected Tom Dumoulin would do well than him. Yeah, he did thirty seconds less than Tom Dumoulin over a, an hour time trial. That's an amazing time trial. Yeah, Pojakar just did an ungodly time trial. Right. It, I mean, it was it was insane. And even I mean, there was one stage too, like early on where Pojakar got caught behind a gap, and people were like, "Oh, he's done." He lost like a minute and forty at one point, and he still clawed his way back. Not landed on a GC podium in a grand tour in their existence. 
So like the fact that Pojakar won the tour with very little help too, like he didn't have a lot of teammates. It was mostly the um, he had like one guy. He had like one or two, right? But yeah. it was mostly the yellow train of Yumbo, which was basically lining everything up really well for for Robic. Um, I would I just have to say UAE is for sure the winners of that week. Um, and I, I guess if I was to give Nas obviously an answer, I would also say uh, Quick Step was the was the big winners with Sam Bennett winning the green jersey too. I think that's like that Quick Step is a team built for if they're going to go to a grand tour, they're they're trying to get the sprints, they're trying to win the green jersey. Sure. So yeah, I, I think those are those are the winners there. If I if I had to pick the loser. Um, I have a team in yeah, mind. I think we're going to be the same. Okay. So uh, my winner uh, is Team Sunweb. So they, they came yes. to the tour yeah. without a GC rider right. and without a sprinter, and they managed to win, I think, four stages. For sure, yeah. I mean, that is incredible. Huge, yeah, huge. Um, my biggest losers or hands are off. Peter Sagan's team. Yeah, absolutely. They went to the tour and literally left with they left with one stage win, I believe. But uh, just one of their random riders. Oh, like uh, Kenya, King, Kingard? Something like yeah. that. Okay. But honestly, they left with nothing. And yeah. think about how much they're paying Peter Sagan. I think it's like around $4 million. Highest paid riders still, I think. Highest paid rider. Yeah. Came back with nothing. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't. I didn't think Peter Sagan really. He was not. He's, in, he's been a different rider. I think the last maybe two years. Um, no, last year he did pretty well to the tour. This I mean, year he's he was, years, yeah, but he just didn't have the fitness this year. Honestly, I think he just didn't. He almost just didn't look like he wanted to be there. Like, the entire the entire time, like he just I don't know what it was, but like he just didn't seem like like Peter Sagan. If that makes sense, and I feel like. If Peter Sagan can't be Peter Sagan, he doesn't want to like be there essentially. You know what I mean? Um, I, I just got that feeling. So, yeah, I mean Bora, definitely a big loser from the week. Um, I want to say Astana was maybe a big loser. I don't know if they got any stage wins. I think they might have with Lusenko. I don't really count like the teams that are just kind of those. They did. They, they brought range teams. They, they don't really have like big riders they, and stuff. They brought a good GC rider, Lopez. I mean, he's all right. He, I mean, he's been on multiple Grand Tour podiums. I don't think he's ever nabbed his own Grand Tour. Yeah, see, that's kind of that's kind of what I say though, is because yeah. those Grand Tour, if you're a GC rider and you can't win like, the Giro or the Vuelta, especially the Vuelta, if you can't win the Vuelta, you for sure can't win the Tour. What are your thoughts on? Richie Port getting third in the tour. Is that, is that a big win for track? Is it just a win for Richie Port? I think a big win for Richie Port. Richie Port yeah. So it's his last year on track. Is it? It's, it's a big win, but also a big loss. Richie's got to be pretty old now. Like he's 30, yeah, 36, maybe? Yeah. 37 almost? Yes, but I think the biggest thing is like it's great for him, but also at the same time, he got his next contract is being paid as a bonus league. Oh, really? And all of a sudden, he's coming. He's now like, wait, I'm a GC contender again. So yeah, now he's, he's going. He he's taking a back, step back in his career, which honestly, I think he he could ride out his career a lot longer as a domestic for sure than he would as a GC rider. But um, good for him for finally having some kind of success in his career because he has not had much. Yeah, he, I mean, too, like when you take a top tier rider and you're in the domestic domestic role. A lot of the time, 
especially if the team has multiple good riders, they're going to you're going to be like you're going to be GCB GC rider B. So like there's always a domestique that they want to keep high on GC just in case two reasons, right? It gives a little bit of a tactical incentive. They can do, they can play around with those two riders. And two, if you do have your main GC rider falter, you do have potentially somebody as a backup that can also play that role. So like if I was track, and if like let's say Richard Port signed with track, they've got their main GC rider next year. I don't exactly know who that's going to be. They might not even have a premier GC rider next year. Um, but Richie Porter, I think, is there's going to be occasions where that rider might falter, and then Richie Porter is going to slide into that role. So if I were him, I would think, um, you know, I'm still worth a, a good amount as a GC rider. I'm just not going to be plucked as the, the premier GC rider. And we all know that Porter over the years doesn't seem to do awesome with that kind of pressure on him. He, he seems to do better when there's no or low expectations of them. Yep. He's also, I, I believe he's only finished half the tours he's actually started, and he's done like seven. Yeah, seven. yeah, and, and I mean, uh, most of those that he finished were on Sky. When yeah. he worked working as a domestic. I don't know if he's finished any as a... This is his first one. Yeah, as a premier like GC rider. Since, since leaving Sky as his uh, big domestic role, he was like the prime guy in the mountains. Since yeah. leaving Sky to chase his own GC ambitions, yeah. he's not finished the tour. I, I think it's this year. If you're going to be 38, 37, I don't exactly know how old he is. That's, I mean, it's pretty ambitious to try to win a, a grand tour after that age. But, you know, I mean, Valverde has definitely been up there, so who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, last last thing, what did you think of uh, Sam Bennett? Uh, I mean, that was awesome. Like, I was super happy for Sam Bennett. I like, I don't dislike Peter Sagan at all. I, I like Peter Sagan, but it was cool to see like Sam Bennett has a pretty nice backstory. He was on the same team as Peter Sagan. He never got picked to go to the tour because Peter Sagan was their guy. That's why he signed with uh, Quick Step because he actually had the opportunity now to go win a sprints and, and be like a premier sprinter there. So he worked for it, and I think he's a super impressive rider, and I was super happy for him. Yeah, you know, I like, I like seeing a guy like Peter Sagan all suddenly be back into a corner mm-hmm. and then seeing how he reacts. Yeah. And I think, you know, I love Peter Sagan, but I think what this tour proved is that he doesn't do well when he's backed into a corner. Sure. He, yeah. He's kind of like, I either win or I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this year kind of proved that if he knows he's, it's not even if he knows he's not going to win, but if he has like a serious contender, it almost looks like he, he gave 80% rather than yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's hard to exactly say, but I, I kind of agree with that. It's just like kind of what I said before. It just seems like you don't want to be there. Like, you know, usually it's like, yeah. a lot of fun. And, like, you know, if you're winning the green jersey, that's pretty fun, right? Yeah. But, yeah, it doesn't seem like you really want to be there. So, besides so. that, uh, my, you know, probably my favorite sprinter of all time, Caleb Ewan. And yeah. Iceland Tour. A couple wins. I love watching Caleb Ewan. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome to see. Caleb Ewan is a great sprinter. I'm mm-hmm. still surprised that he can't be a contender for the green jersey. The guy can't climb. Well, I can't climb. Sam Bennett's a, a unit. The guy's huge. So, I, I don't know how he can, but Caleb you know, the crazy thing is Sam Bennett is not big. Literally the same size as me. Really? Height and weight. It's weird seeing cyclists because yeah. they're, they're just like... I didn't realize it until Sam Bennett went, walked up onto the podium and he was smaller than everyone on the yeah. stage. It's weird. I was just like, oh, this guy is tiny. Like Andre he looks so big though. Andre Rifle, they call it the gorilla. 
But the dude was like a very average size human. Like you'd probably see him in Costco and be like, oh, it's, you know, he's skinny. He guys fit. Look, yeah. Look at that guy over there. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you're so used to watching like on the tour, like uh, Primus Rulich, oh, yeah. he doesn't look that big, no. but he's about the same height as me, but 20 pounds less. Yeah, insane. Right. So, yeah, I couldn't, he's like 140 pounds and 5'10". I couldn't even imagine yeah. being 140 pounds. You look at him too, he's kind of muscular. He's not like, a, yeah. he's not skin and bones. Like he's got a little muscle on him too. Yeah, and then you look at Pojakar. Oh my God. Which, who's actual skin skinnier. Yeah, actually like, skin and bones. Yeah, that's like another 5 or 10 pounds. Unbelievable. Yeah. He's tall too, Pojakar's not short. He's not short. Yeah. Well, all right, Ryan, I think we've talked a lot about the tours with yeah. bike packing. I think it's time to wrap it up. A good um, podcast. I fun. It was a good podcast. Kicking off season three. We're going to be back at that more regularly. New well, audio. New we've audio. actually used this audio a few times. We, this is the first time that we've had audio issues. We've been moving up every single year, and we're going to continue to bring the great content that y'all want to hear. So with that, you can check us out on all of our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, all the good stuff there. Uh, if you want to find our updates, it's usually done on Facebook. And yeah, Ryan, do you have anything else before we... Uh, Wrap it up. No, uh, it's good to be back. Good to be back. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you later.